Welcome to the End Times Chat. Our passion is found in the words of Jesus. There will be signs in the sun, moon, and stars. On the earth, nations will be in anguish and perplexity at the roaring and tossing of the sea. People will faint from terror, apprehensive of what is coming on the world, for the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. When these things begin to take place, stand up and lift up your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. Each week, you will hear news from around the world that will urge you to wake up to these events to make you knowledgeable about what the Bible says about them. Join GJ and Dan in the conversation. Yes, I'm ready. I'm ready. Why do I feel so compelled every week to whisper that at that moment? I don't know. But it's like, are you ready? It's like somebody that I, it's like somebody I know in the news. <laughs> are you ready? <laughs> Can't say his name. I'm not sure. I know it's not Keith Jackson. No, no, it was it was uh, somebody way higher up, way higher up, Whoa. like at the very top. He was, he was in the heat. rumbling, stumbling, rumbling, stumbling. <laughs> I think he he's one of three best football announcers of all time. Oh my goodness! Well, hey, I I'm um this is this is gonna be a good show. Obviously, it's gonna be a good show because you know you're asking me to leave. No, but uh, just full disclosure, this is being recorded live. Whoa. Tell us why, GJ. Whoa. Tell us why. I, I did. I thought, I thought we were live, bro. It says live on my screen. We are live. Recorded live. Feel bait and switched. <laughs> bait and switched. <laughs> you promised me one thing and give me another. Because we're headed to Dallas, the big city of Dallas. What I, that's right. So we're traveling this week for a conference, and Dana is one of the speakers. Alita is one of the speakers. Come on, Alita. And I'm not one of the speakers. So you're talking about top of the heap. <laughs> Y'all are up there. Look, 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 look. Nah, don't believe him, people. Don't believe him. So anyway, we're traveling, so we want to do it early. We still have a lot of stuff to talk about. And then we're going to do one later this week, which will be our 100th show. This is show 99. 99 in their song, 99. 99 bottles of water on the wall. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> We can't sing the other one. We just 99 can't balloons or something like that. Anyway. 99 balloons. <clears throat> so we're we're actually going to be in Dallas together. And so what's perfect, God's design, perfect timing, show mm -hmm. 100. Who would have mm -hmm. thought that we'd have 100 shows when we started this? Triple digits, baby. And we haven't got canceled. Woo! By the way, in times that chat. <laughs> in times that chat. In time, gotcha. Oh my goodness, this is uh, this is amazing. I, I'm I am blown away, blown away. So I, you know, I know we get the the weekly newsletter from Liftable, which our show is on Liftable, and so I, I clicked on it and it took us to our show, 
And so I was watching it and I was like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, why is he whispering? Why is we whispering before the show? Are you ready? <laughs> we can hear you. <laughs> so anyway, I had to laugh at myself. <laughs> so, all right. So back to you, smartest man alive. Well, it's for some reason, my lightning is not doing so hot today. Yours was perfect. And mine is like, I feel all grayed out. You have perfect skin. Oh, oh, did I, did I say that out loud? <laughs> no, I feel like I'm, I got the red nose reindeer look. Rudolph the red nose reindeer. This is a crazy day. You know, it's funny. I, I wake up this early to do the show because you know, for you, it's the crack of, crack of noon. For me, it's the crack of dawn. So I'm like, I was kind of tired. And then I heard the music and I got fired up and now I'm awake. And I haven't even finished my first cup of coffee. I know. And I'm like, I should have topped off because I don't think this is going to make it through the show. No, probably not. Uh, but can you make a, uh, make a run for us? Here, you can have mine. Here. Oh, thanks. There you go. Where's the sponsorship on that? Oh, man. You know what? One of these days, after now triple digits, we're probably going to have a sponsor. Because they're like, they're all going to be saying, I didn't, honestly didn't think you guys would make it. <laughs> and then that one dude that one dude that one dude we gotta hopefully he gets moved off the show we oh won't yeah say which one. we won't say which one well there's good a good friend um a good friend dave omgren and uh he's he'll find out that i'm talking about him on the show after the show is is, is live on air i mean and um he is, he's helping out a movie called The Jesus Revolution. Yeah. So won't say too much about it right now, but um, I'm hoping that we can get him a sponsor. That'd be cool. And then he can come on and we can do a whole trailer of it and, and push it out to the masses because I know that they want this message out there to the world. So maybe we can talk about that. We'll get out. I've been chatting about it for the last time. Hey, that's the one. Whoa. Come what on. Are the odds? What are the odds that I have this right here on my desk? Man, just whipping that stuff out. You talk about prepared. Hey, Eesh. reason I had that book about two years, actually three years ago, God put on my heart about revival. Yeah. And I've just felt like a huge revival is going to come, an outpouring of the Holy Spirit like never seen before. I know it talks about it in the Bible. Some people think that that happens before Jesus comes back. Some people think that actually happens in the tribulation. I think it's going to happen in both. And why do I believe before Jesus is because there's still a lot of people that are on the fence and God knows that. And he's not going to give up on them until he knows they're not going to go to the kingdom side of the fence. Yeah. And so I just feel like that's going to happen. And I made a comment that that is going to happen again, which when I say that, <clears throat> this Jesus revolution, it was about, and it has like the little mini bus, you know, the back in the hippies, hippie era of the late sixties, early seventies. There was a, a young pastor and an older pastor, and they were getting all these crazy uh, hippies together out in California. I don't know anybody that lives out in California, but I'm not a hippie. I'm definitely not a hippie. <laughs> That's not well, me. And, and you were you were in the 1860s, 1870s. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
so anyway, they, they came together and a lot of the, uh, just a whole revival took place. And two things that I find significant about is it it was like people that weren't searching for that and God just, God's presence came over them and they were, they were like, why am I being called? You know, they just didn't feel like, well, I'm nothing special. And God used a whole bunch of them and they've all gone on and been pastors, ministry leaders, significant people in their community, wherever they lived outside of California in, in a lot of cases. So I thought that's going to happen again. And then there's uh, another gentleman, uh, Mario Morello. He's up, he's like south of you. Yeah. And he was doing these tent ministries where they'd go just like Billy Graham used to do, you know, like these tent crusades and having tremendous amount of people show up and give their life to Jesus. I just felt like revival is going to happen again. And then this film comes out and it's about, it's about this whole story. And Greg Laurie wrote this book and he's a pastor and he's one of the main characters in the movie because he was one of those guys. He was one of the hippies. And like me, (laughs) so anyway, I made the comment. I said, what are the odds of this movie coming out in 2023, which we're about to go into year 5783 on the Jewish calendar, which is the new year, which is now. Yeah, to, to tomorrow's the new the day one, I believe. So today's yeah. New Year's Eve for the Jewish holiday. And I'm like, and if you understand 5783, I know we talked a little bit about it a couple of weeks ago. Well, you're going to be talking about it today because it's one of the things I have up. So, whoa, whoa. You posted some things about it. So, whoa, gonna... whoa, whoa. Are you, when something ends up in that thread, why do you always say, oh, I posted it? Because, I didn't. I got nothing, dude. I literally got nothing. I'm just showing up again, again, again. I'm just <laughs> eye candy. I'm just eye candy. No, no, it's you. You post more in there than I do. I'm just saying. You don't like to take credit. You have a job. You have two thousand hours of law school that's coming to an end. It is. Man, I was talking to somebody about that last night. I was I just was talking about how tired I was. I'm thinking, man, I just need to be I just I'm so thrilled that I'm going through this, obviously, because I wouldn't have done it if I didn't want to, but or no, I would have done it if I didn't want to. If God wanted me to, and God didn't want me to. But I, I still feel great and, and thrilled that I'm doing it anyway. But that that is coming to an end. December. Graduate in December. Take the bar in February. So another another closure. So today's the last year of a Shemitah year, which is a seven-year cycle. Mm-hmm. All these things are happening. It's so like there's, you know, they use the, you know, the Bible, the term new wine. And so all these things are happening. So I believe they're catalysts, including you being the smartest man alive and now working to have your law degree so that you can be the smartest attorney alive in helping regulate the revival. I'm just saying. Regulate the revival. You got some alliteration going on. Hey, I'm a poet and I didn't know it. <laughs> That's real talk. Well, we do have a lot to talk about. Oh, no sponsor. Just saying. Yeah, the, mo- the movie will fit right here. The movie would fit right there. I think, you know what? We, I need to get on the horn with Dave Almgren and say, hey, Dave, Dave. Come on, Dave. We need you to sponsor the show, bud. We got all these people out there that want to see it. Come on, Dave. Come on, Dave. Where's Dave? Dave's not on. 
That's from the 70s. It <laughs> is from the 70s. We won't say, we won't say from a... <laughs> <laughs> No, we will not. We will certainly not. Certainly not. All right. So we got we got some news. I don't know if we do. Yeah, you actually posted this one Whoa, right here. That looks like <laughs> you might want to scroll up. <laughs> well, I can't it's an ad. Oh my gosh. It's the Western Journal. What can I say? Hey, we we know. Hey, the Western Journal. If you're not following the Western Journal, great conservative news. There it is. There you go. Floyd and Mary Mary Beth um Brown started the Western Journal. And uh we hope to have Floyd on our show soon. Yes. Yes. He also started Liftable TV. That's right. So we we love Floyd and uh he loves talking about end times prophecy and what's happening in the world. And uh anyway, so and this happened in Alaska. And obviously storms and, you know, that we, we got storms, you know, in the Caribbean that are happening. And there was so much force that it took the sand and it's covering the whole town. And I just found, found that ironic that, okay, why Alaska? So why are these things happening in weird, strange places that it doesn't happen? There's a sign there. I don't know what kind of sign there is. And that's why we bring these. And, you know, is it a wake-up call? Is it uh, signs of things to come? Is it areas that have had, you know, they've done bad things? I don't know. I, and I'm not saying anything about this town. I don't know anything about it. I just found, saw that that article, and I was just like, what the heck? By the way, <clears throat> so one of my good friends, he was here. He's a, him and his wife produce movies. Uh, I mean, he he's like... You've seen his work on TV commercials. I mean, he he's like one of the top guys, and he lives in Kansas City. He's you know him and his wife are Christians, and actually he helped gives give some ideas and and did did the photo shoot for Alita right before we did our show or her show. Oh wow! And, and remember Betsy? So Betsy knew him and outside of us, and it was, it was and she goes, he's the best. And so Isaac was here doing a shoot uh, here in town. And so we got together yesterday and he was like, where do you get all this news stores? And I, I says, it's pretty amazing how we don't really have to look that hard. It just flows to us. And when you're looking for it, it seems to find you. And every day there's something case in point. Or you can even find significance in any news story that pops up too. Like, cause your, your mind is, is now thinking along that process. And I think that's one of the things that we wanted to accomplish with with the show, right? We wanted people to start thinking about these things again, talking about them again. And here's the here's the crazy thing. I don't think it's I don't, maybe it's not because of us or whatever, but I believe prayers are being answered because there are churches like Bayside, which here in this area, I don't know, they've got 15,000, 16,000 people and they're they're starting a whole series now coming up on Revelation. So I thought, that's crazy, because this has been a long time since I've seen a church, especially that size, uh, take on a topic like this. So I'm, I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled that we, we want more people to talk about it. We want more people to be aware of what's going on around them. There is not a news article, but an opinion article that I read. I don't post opinion articles on this show because they're opinion. 
I try not to anyway. And then I need um, to leave. I need to leave because I'm not <laughs> oh, I'm opinionated. Opinionated. <laughs> yeah, we share our opinions. This one woman was giving her opinion and saying, "Hey, is this the time that Jesus is coming back?" And she, in her own thoughts, said, "Well, yes, he's coming soon, and it's going to happen quickly." So there's there's some people that are definitely waking up to talk about this again to be a part of this and when and when you do gj i love what you just said you see these things in the news we don't know how they're connected but far be it from us to not share it speaking of which this the tonga volcano back in the news again because it has erupted eight times now in two days well i don't see anybody playing volleyball over there what's going on no i don't know but this is insane so a volcano north of tonga's main island Erupted eight times in the last 48 hours. This was posted yesterday, so this is in the last few days. Oozing molten lava and shooting steam and ash at least three kilometers, which is about two miles, into the air. So this is, uh, that's, that's massive. That's massive. I mean, that is. first of all, I'm not sure who got that shot, but that's <laughs> somebody had to be up there taking that shot. Well, they were on their way to go play volleyball, and they... Yeah, we'll just take a picture. I mean, it's interesting. You, you can't tell. We'll do a selfie. <laughs> that would be an epic selfie shot. I'm just saying. Yeah, well, we're making fun of this because when when the volcano went off in Iceland, they literally went up to the edge of the you know the flowing lava, and then they're playing volleyball outside it, and we're like, "Have you lost your mind?" <laughs> and <laughs> Now that's what I asked myself. So I'm going now the opposite way. You know, 2,000 degrees. That deserves a slow drink of coffee. Here, here. So anyway, <laughs> let me take a sip. <laughs> so it ends up, so that's why we're making the joke about the volcano and the selfie. And people were going up to take selfies. And I'm like, Wow. What if, what if this happened while you're taking a selfie and you're that close? Uh, I don't know. But uh, could you imagine being in an airplane and you're flying anywhere around that area and then you see this plume of smoke? This actually happened to me. Maybe I shared this a long time ago when we first started talking about volcanoes is I was in Hawaii and um, <clears throat> we were on the big island and um, one of the main, uh, uh, I think Kilauea, and, and maybe Kilauea is not on the big island, but it's one of the, and I, anyway, it, you know, it goes, it goes off. It's been known to go off and then you can just see the lava flowing all the way to the ocean. So anyway, this had not happened in a long time. And all of a sudden, so we were on this helicopter and, and you know, he said, I'm so excited to show you this. The volcano is erupting. So then we're all looking at each other like, this might not be a good idea. <laughs> so we literally are going. And he flies straight there, and he said, "In the, the, the whole time he li he lived on on a big island, he'd never seen this erupt, and it, it was erupting. So you could literally see the cone inside of it. You could see the lava flying out, and then you could see it the river going all the way. And it hadn't made it quite to the ocean at that point. And we're flying around, and around. We literally had to go land at the other end of the island to get refuel in order to go back because he spent too much fuel." flying around and he was just like an awe and he kept giving us the play by play. Wow. And so we're literally seeing it. And then I get back home and then I see on the news, Oh, 
the volcano in Hawaii is going off. And I'm like, I was right there. Yeah, I was fine. It was pretty amazing. So unlike the volleyball players, I was in the helicopter flying around. Probably not a good idea. Just <laughs> yeah, Probably not a good idea. Just don't fly through the ash and smoke. That's a bad thing to do. Bad thing to do. Thanks. Now, now you tell me. <laughs> well, uh, so we we sat down and played volleyball. No, we didn't. No, on the helicopter. Oh, that's interesting. All right, so GJ, another one for you, man. Red alerts. Whoa. So, I mean, I'm just going to read that right there because it it really says it. Red alert: China, Iran, Russia teaming up for a massive show of naval force. So what's the significance of China, Iran, and Russia? Well, China and Russia are the Red Armies. They're known as the Red Armies. They're north of Israel. Iran <laughs> is uh, a nemesis to Israel. And so all, now they're coming together. So like we talk every week, there's this teaming up of different countries now to show force and that we are aligned. And if you mess with us, we'll show you otherwise. Also, and, I'm, and maybe you have this plugged in here, is Putin for Russia is saying, you know, you mess with us, we got nuclear weapons. So, he, I mean, again, there's this posturing going on on all fronts. One of the key countries to watch, regardless where you live in the world, is watch, have your eyes on Israel, because that is a key to everything, even though there, you might not be seeing anything in the news about them specifically right now. But it just, it, there's that convergence that's slowly happening right before our eyes. Yeah. Well, are those Ziva, are those Ziva glasses? <laughs> I don't know. I don't think so. But we shouldn't have that picture up on the screen. <laughs> well, not only is China, Russia, and Iran showing some naval force. Is that Iran's uh, Navy right there? Yeah, right. No, this is the Israeli Navy and the U.S. Fifth Fleet completed a digital shield joint exercise in the Mediterranean. So uh, I was interested in this because I was like, what is a digital shield? Well, digital shield, according to this, is they're, they're putting, as you saw in that one picture, they're putting in, uh, in the water these different um, contraptions. I'm not even sure what to call it, but it looks like, it looks like a, Looks like a windsurfing. It does. I like your technical term, contraption. Contraption. I know it's the best thing I could call it. But it, we they they put these in the water and they're creating some kind of a digital shield around the around that area to keep anybody that's offshore from trying to infiltrate digitally into a country. I thought that man, we're we're not only doing warfare with missiles, we're doing warfare with computers. And actually, doing warfare with computers can be more dangerous, if you think about it. And satellites. Oh, and satellites. No doubt. Well, this is a joint exercise to happen between them. And then the last thing about the uh, in the wars, rumors of wars section, which is where we are right now, we skipped over to, to that a few minutes ago, is that Erdogan, who is the president of Turkey, has emerged as a key mediator in the Ukraine and Russia war. So. You can see here, first of all, Erdogan and Putin are actually pretty tight. And um, they've had their disagreements in the past, no doubt about it. But it's, it's uh, this, let me just put you this way. Turkey, 
is directly north of Israel on the map. Russia, a lot of it, is directly north of Turkey. So when you have these things in succession, and Ukraine is also directly north on the other side of the Black Sea from Turkey. So when you, when you see the progression of countries and they're all north, you think this kind of makes sense, right? That Erdogan would, would be the one to try to step in and help. Because eventually there will be an alliance, in my opinion, there will be an alliance of these northern countries that will come down and want to attack Israel, as we see in the book of Revelation. So any thoughts on that, Mr. GJ? I think you said it as clear as you can say it. Next topic. Next topic. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Moving on. Moving on up. Oh my gosh. <laughs> hey, it's early. It's early. It's early. Okay, George, you have to keep going. <laughs> well, I'm not, for some reason, I, I don't have this up here. I thought I did, but. Um, Whoa. I'm going to have to find it because I don't remember where it was. Uh, but the D- DNA owned. Oh, no, that's actually not Chrome. That's a video. Okay, let me just pop this off here. You had posted a video, and I thought this video was one worth sharing for sure about DNA and corporations. And there's a there's a guy that Klaus? No, not Klaus. No, this is this is somebody that's running in, as a house as uh, in the House of Representatives in another state in the United States. But it's one minute and twenty second video. I think we should play it. I don't think from what from how I listened to it, first of all, the, the news story kind of made it seem like he was saying we we should do this. But I don't hear that coming from him. But it's very interesting what he says. So let's go ahead and play that, GJ. And then it's, this is your story. So you should definitely. I got nothing. I think one of the things we're talking about here is that there are now weapons under development and developed that are designed to target specific people. And that, that's what this is, uh, where you, you can actually take someone's DNA, take you know their, their medical profile, and you can target a biological weapon that will, that will kill that person or take them off the battlefield or make them inoperable. So you can't have a discussion about this without talking about privacy uh, and, and commercial data and the protection of commercial data, because expectations of privacy have degraded over the last 20 years. Uh, you know, young folks actually have very little expectation of privacy. That's what the polling and the, the data show. Uh, and, and people will very rapidly spit into a cup and send into 23andMe and get really interesting data about their background. And guess what? Their DNA is now owned by a private company and can be sold off without very with very little uh, intellectual property protection or, or privacy protection. And we don't have legal and regulatory regimes to deal with that. So uh, we have to have a, an open and public discussion, and this is going to have to be a political discussion about what does the protection of healthcare information, DNA information, and, and your data look like, because that uh, data is actually going to be procured and collected by our adversaries for the development of these systems. So go for it, man. Well, there's a lot to, there's a lot to just what he said. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, I don't know if this guy, which side of the fence he's on. He his, his name's uh, Congressman Jason Crow. So that's the guy that was talking. So I don't know anything about him. So a couple of things. One is the DNA, to, you know, and they're they're going to get our DNA. We, and there's different ways to get it. I mean, you go to a hospital now, they're going to get your DNA. People are volunteering the DNA, just like the samples. So I mean, they're going to have the DNA, and then. You say, well, that's not that big a deal. And they, they can do good with that. That's true. However, as we share over and over and over, 
it can be used for good. It can be used for evil. And there's such voluntary going on. So like, oh my gosh, they'll just volunteer the DNA and then they can sell it off and do whatever. Well, a couple of points here. One is he's talking about <clears throat> they can be weaponized. So a human being can be weaponized and then that DNA can actually go and harm or kill another human being. I mean, how is that good? I mean, right now, <laughs> I mean, people do that all the time without, you know, DNA. So I'm like, the advancements that are happening, the the power behind this, and how it can be used makes me want to go. Oh, this is in the leading up to the tribulation section. That definitely makes me go. Yeah, well, I was thinking about this too when when you sent it uh, on the stream, GJ. Is that how many people have done that? Where they're they're curious about their history, their family history, their ancestry. And so they just take a swab of whatever, send it off in the mail, and now a private company, which that is, it's not a, it's not a medical source. I mean, it, they're not a medical hospital. They're not a, a healthcare necessarily a facility. And you're sending it up to some corporation, some private corporation. And I'm thinking, who owns that company? Who owns the other companies? I don't know. I haven't done the research. I'd love to find out, though. That might be an interesting thing to find out. But then he's right when you give. When you're willing, when you're paying someone, and you're sending your own DNA in, you are actually you're, they're saying to you you're buying the information. But what they're doing is is they're taking and they're owning now your DNA structural detail. The intellectual property is now in their hands, and they can do whatever they want with it. And so it kind of makes you think that if the, if there was a, a government healthcare system. Where, and as has happened in UK, but if there's a government healthcare system where now you're going in, you're they're drawing your blood, they're taking your blood, and they're doing tests on all that, they then also have your DNA. Correct. So I don't know very many people that have not actually gotten their blood drawn. So I, it's a, it's definitely an interesting topic. We should probably keep an eye on that in the future about all that. Go ahead. Yeah, and. We don't want to get caught up in, you know, if you've done, done, you know, sent your DNA and did up, we're not like, hey, if that's what you did, you did it. And for whatever reason. And I know people personally, they've gotten some good data. And then some people have actually gotten connected to other people. They didn't realize they had a brother or a sister or cousin or whatever out there and they got reunited. And so there's been a lot of good tied to it. That's the power of, of good and evil is that evil will use good to slant it over just enough so now it becomes evil so if you if you've done that we're not we're not bashing that we're just saying oh, no, no. look at the power that that they can do and then look beyond that like and i mean we could go we could do a whole show on that topic so i'll stop right there and uh the weaponized part wow yeah that got my attention and the fact that he even said that they could target someone's particular DNA and then take them off the battlefield and kill them. I don't know. That That is a... Wait for it. What? I'm targeting you. I'm targeting you. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like Not a red funny. dot. <laughs> Too soon. Does a red dot show up? <laughs> Too soon. Hey, we got to talk about some heifers. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on to the heifers. 
Oh, it's early. It's early, people. It's early. <laughs> if you're watching this late, we did this early. <laughs> I didn't tell you. I didn't tell you this. I literally jumped out of bed and go, "Oh no!" And there's there's that song on TikTok and Instagram. Oh no! Oh no! <laughs> You did that perfect. Maybe maybe you're the guy behind it. Uh, I literally had that moment. I'm like, oh my gosh, Dan's waiting for me. Of course, I had had 45 minutes. I'm like, I hardly ever sleep in like that. So, hey, but you're here now. Well, speaking of heifers, we have uh, five of them. Five of them. Now here's here's the deal. So we ha- I have two news stories I've got on this one, and uh, we can both talk about it. But the question that is that's been po- that's been posed is: Does the arrival of five red heifers in Israel signal the third temple in the end times? Well, I'm not sure the answer to that question, but I do know that there is a search for the perfect. Flawless, which means that there's no outside or inside blemishes or in you know inner in internal difficulties with a particular red heifer. And the red heifer I thought you were starting to talk about me, bro. Oh my gosh. Well, <laughs> there's a any event, there was a red heifer that was being watched down in uh, South America at one point. And the, these particular red heifers came from Texas, Texas, actually. Yeah, so a Christian rancher in Texas was able to deliver five red heifers to Israel for their New Year celebrations. And uh, during, I'm, I'm not going to get into the whole detail of the history of this right now, but it is very interesting because there there is a search for the perfect red heifer, and there is some discussion about when the third temple does arrive and they do start setting up the third temple about that being the significance of that. So they're saying that if you find that perfect red heifer, not to say that these five were perfect, but if you find that perfect red heifer, that would be this one of the key things that would usher in the third temple because of the sacrificial significance of that. So yeah, we have that one. And then, then we got this one that says, what does the Bible say about the importance of the red heifer? <laughs> Third temple and the coming of the Messiah. So just what I was wondering. That's what I'm wondering too. Anyway, these are great stories. You can find them on all Israel news. GJ, what do you have any thoughts about this before we move on? Well, to put it in perspective, I believe there's only been nine perfect red heifers in in the history of mankind. So I think so, so that shows how few they are. So it's not very common. Second of all, is what's the significance? It's for the purification process of the priests in the temple when they, I guess, open open up the new temple. And Moses and Aaron, they they had that before they went up to the mountain to talk with God. And I think that's correct. Correct me if I'm wrong. I'm not the theologian here. Dan is. And um, so when the new temple is built, they're going to have these heifers that are unblemished so that they can give as an offering and as a purification to the new temple and the priest. So let's say that's the case right now. All right. They're alive. How long do they live and how long, you know, and if something happens to them and they could get blemished, 
So what are the odds? And they, they can't have one hair that's not red. It has to be like perfect. So they go through, I mean, it's like a scientific process that they go through each one of these. So again, that, that was a prophecy that was told a long time ago that hasn't happened since. And so when it says end days, is this the, the time of the end days? I believe we're there. I, I mean, we, we're doing a show, in times, <laughs> in times chat. Boop, boop, boop. So you can always find us. You don't, can't find us here. So with that said, all these things are happening and converging. There's a sign right there. It's time to wake up. It's time to be ready. Yeah. So Numbers 19 is where we find the command of God to Aaron and Moses about how to what to do and how to handle a red heifer and what the significance is. So if you want to uh, check that out, Numbers 19, verses 1 through 10. And then this article is really good because it actually goes through a history of different times, time periods where... Uh, and then it talks about the last days of history. And then what do rabbis today believe about the significance of the red heifer? Now, I have to say, a good friend of ours, Kevin Kurtz, who's been on the show a couple of times, who wrote those three novels about the end times, he's, uh, he sent this to me about two weeks ago, actually, that, that this was going to happen. And now it, it just happened this past couple of days, which is why we're wow. talking about it. So there, uh, and a little one just woke up. So if she comes walking in here to say hello, then Journey will be on the show. But anyway, there's some deeply religious Jews that have some very deep significance on this. So and here she comes. Hey, hey, there she is. Hey, there's Journey. She's waking up for the day. Hey, we're on the show we're recording. She can sit on Papa's lap. Um, <laughs> She's she just waved at you. Boop. <laughs> <laughs> we love Journey. So part of the significance is building of the third temple. And why is the third temple uh, important? Is that the third temple gets rebuilt and then three and a half years into the tribulation, the Antichrist goes in into the temple and then claims himself as God. And then it all breaks loose in a bad, bad way. However, that first three and a half years before that is not a time I want to be a part of. There's a lot of everything we talk about, just think a lot worse. So the significance is, is that if these are the red heifers, that means the temple being rebuilt is right around the corner. And as we've shared on here, the Jews can actually build the temple within eight to 18 months. So if Jesus came back right now, which by the way, we're on a Jewish holiday and we believe G Jesus will come back on a Jewish holiday. If Jesus came back right now, within eight to 18 months, they could literally have the temple fully built and they have the plans. They're actually know where they're going to build it. And, uh, you know, so there's a lot of information about that. So if you want to go search that, you can find a lot of information. So that just tells that we're in the two minute warning. Absolutely. And now no, this article is really, really good. I was just catching this a couple of paragraphs and we have to move on because it's actually getting, I didn't realize how much time we've been talking about the news. But one, one of the things that we understand is that today the Temple Mount, some people believe it's on Mount Moriah. That is not, in my opinion, that's not the case. Mount Moriah would not be where that would be located because the historical temple that Solomon built is actually on what we now know of as the Al-Aqsa Mosque, which is on that, uh, that, that area. So there it's a very sacred building. It's, it's one of three of the most sacred buildings for Muslims 
is on that Temple Mount. And, um, and there are 1.8 billion Muslims in the world. So this article makes reference to the fact that any effort to remove those Islamic buildings could trigger an apocalyptic war against Israel. So if you think about that, if you think about uh, the temple being rebuilt, whether it's the mid-tribulation or the, or, the, or the very beginning of the tribulation, which is that seven-year period we always talk about, then how long would it take before those things would start to happen? And there will be some kind of global, uh, at least from Islamic faith, some kind of a global targeting of Israel and, and its people. And 144,000 evangelists who then come out and they say in the book of Revelation, they come out and say, Jesus is the Messiah, and they evangelize the world. So a lot of things to think about here. We could go down that, that rabbit hole, but the bottom line is we don't know when that's going to happen. We're just making mention of the fact that it's here. Uh, well, DJ, you've got a couple of things before we move on to, uh, I have a couple of things that make me go, hmm, today. But you posted, you posted a couple of pictures. <laughs> you posted a couple of pictures. And it's going to take me a second to get one of them up here, but here's one of them right here. And um, talk to us about this. What in the world is this about? First of all, that's a that's an evil picture. I know, I know. I saved it to my photos, and I saw it. I'm like, I got to get rid of this, but I kept it because I knew we might talk about it. So as we've shared, there's you know, and you know, in the news on a global, there's the global reset, the new reset. And we, we're definitely seeing a reset. I mean, you can't be anywhere in the world without knowing about that something's going on over the last two and a half years. So the higher-ups, the elitists, the globalists, they have a plan. So, and, and as Dan just posted there, for their great reset, and they want to have all these things in place by 2030. So over the next eight years, they, it's going to elevate. That's their goal. So they plan for changing the world. You know, in every every way, and 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 some of they're doing it under those. Hey, this is good, and on on the on the surface, it looks good because it is fixing a broken system. And I think most people can say a lot of things are are wrong or can be fixed. And so they they do it under that guise, and then they want to create their own superpower, their own superpower, not the existing one. They want to have a one world government. So we talk about in the end days there will be a you know. After Jesus is gone, there will be a one-world government, and that may happen before Jesus comes. So, that, and we're seeing that convergence. And then you will own nothing and be happy. Think about that: you will own nothing and be happy. So they're basically saying you'll own nothing. So to me, that sounds like being in involuntary servitude or being a slave. That's what that seems to me. And then the values are become their values. And and then they created under a one world religion. So we know after Jesus comes that there will be a one world government. There will be a one world religion, and there'll be all these control factors. So that if you get out of line or if you disagree, they can lower the boom on you, so to speak. And then the other side of that, though, that you posted, which I thought was pretty cool, uh, was God's reset plan. Amen. And I I see. I mean. I know we say this all the time, you know, take a step back and look at what's happening. There's a lot of craziness happening that's bad. There's a lot of hap things that are happening that are good. And when you start to take a step back and don't get caught up in the emotion of who's right or who's wrong or, you know, you're this or you're that. I mean, God created all of us, regardless of where we live, how, you know, what we look like, what the color of our skin, we're all God's children. 
And so God is doing his own reset. And sometimes we call it shaking. And, you know, it's like, why is there sand covering a whole town in Alaska? Why is there floods in the uh, desert? You know, so we got all these different things. I call them shaking. I believe there are shaking going on. I believe there is a reset. And now we're going into the year 5783 tomorrow. So tomorrow is the first day of the Jewish calendar for the year 5783. And let's talk about a reset. It's talk if you understand, they go do your homework on the year 5783. It's talking about a reset. So last year we've been shaking and going on, and now we're resetting, and God is going to use that in ways that have, have we've never seen before. And there's also going to be a divide. So you're going to have those that are going to turn away even more, and you're going to see those that are turned towards God even more. So that you're going to see it. It's not going to just happen overnight. It's just going to go like this. And so it's a process. So God's reset is happening. And even if the craziness is there's evil, God's going to use that. He's in control. He may just allow it. He is in control. So this is another interesting photo of we've had the blood moons, you know, since uh, 2014, then in 2015, and then 2022, which was, I think, last May. and then. I can't quite read it on here. And then um, then there's going to be another one in the year 5783. Uh, so in 2023, there's another one coming. And all these have happened on a Jewish holiday, <laughs> which gives us some credence that God is going to do something on a Jewish holiday. And if you just read the Old Testament, God did a lot of things that happened. And now we're celebrating, the Jews celebrate those. And I just feel like we are following along in that path as well. And then you look at the, on this, on this, you know, the uh, 50 year Jubilee, we come in. So now we're at the end of a seven year cycle. So there's a lot of things happening and converging. And then this past year, uh, you know, the Roe versus Wade was overturned. And so you look at 50 years of that. I mean, there's just a lot of sim- symbols that you just couldn't figure it out unless God had his hand on it. Absolutely. Well, I, uh, I must admit, I have to do a little bit more research into this, but when you posted it, uh, I felt like, man, I, I, I didn't put together the whole 50-year jubilee with some of the ma- massive decisions that came down this past year from our Supreme Court. Uh, not to say that the United States is what will drive the things that happen for the rest of the world in the end times. Because I think sometimes we we kind of feel like we're the we're the ones in the world that make things happen, but I do think that that particular decision has a wave effect across the rest of the world as well as all of our minds and our thinking. But I, it's just there's a lot of significance here. Can't wait to see what's going to happen, and uh, and we'll just keep talking about it and bringing it to you. So I did have one more thing to share before we get into the message. Dude, we got like 18, we got 18 more things to share. We got 18 more. We probably do, but (laughs) But we're only going to share one. (laughs) Yeah, we're only going to share one. There's this, a friend of mine sent this to me in a text Mm. message and said, okay, let's, she goes, have you heard about this? And I said, I had heard about it, but I hadn't watched it yet. And you're like, why would you watch this? Why would you watch something like this? Were you going to say something, GJ? I'm not watching it. No, no. Well, 
here's the deal. This is on Hulu currently, and but before that, it was on the sh on the public station FX, which is on. Uh, I don't remember what station it's on on your cable news channel, but right now you can actually start a free trial, and it's on the channel FX. <laughs> FX. Um, yeah. Well, I don't know what number it is in your in your area, but if you don't know, by the way, Disney owns Hulu. And I don't know if they own FX, but my assumption is, is that they probably have some kind of a public stake in it. But it's a cartoon that has come out called Little Demon. Here's the thing about the show. It's about a woman who gets impregnated by Satan. And it's a cartoon, by the way. And I'm going to talk about that in a minute. She's a single mom trying to raise a 13-year-old Antichrist daughter as a normal teenager. That's the premise of the show. There's all kinds of satanic stuff in it. It's it's a uh, it's actually listed as a mature audience and it's definitely an adult cartoon, but the fact that it is a cartoon and it looks like anime to some degree, there's going to be a lot of kids that are going to want to be watching that. And as I have come to understand over the last few years, parents just aren't keeping that close of an eye on what kids are watching on Hulu. They can have parental permissions set on everything, but it doesn't mean that they're not, kids are not able to get in and watch these things. So, the show opens up with the mom giving birth to this satanic daughter with a dagger in her hand wanting to kill it. That's how this whole show starts off. Then, and then it, it shoots up to this 13-year-old daughter of Satan on her first day of junior high school getting her period, which activates the evil spirit and her ability to contact Satan. And she then proceeds to kill and mutilate the bullies that were bullying her, her first friend that she made. So, I mean, it has possessions. It has, I mean, this, this show is the epitome of what evil would be. And then putting it into a cartoon form and then putting it out there for about a 13-year-old, which means that teenagers are going to want to watch this. So that's all I'm going to say about it. I'm just going to say this is one of those things that make, makes me go, hmm. And makes me think, boy, there's some there's some things we got to watch out for for our kids. So, uh, anything you want to share, GJ, before I pop into this message? Well, like like as you share, it's from mature audience. I believe it's going to because it's a cartoon. A lot of people are going to watch it, even younger ones that probably shouldn't watch it, thinking, "Oh, it's just a cartoon." And one of the things it says in the Bible, you know, what you know. Protect your eyes, what we see, what we take in. And what we take in starts to affect the heart. Sometimes it hardens the heart. And I look back and the things in my life where my heart became very hardened. And I'm like, okay, what was the process of that? Because we're not born with a hardened heart and in spite of <laughs> a cartoon. And so what you let in is going to feed feed that. And the other thing that's happening is there's so much. There's, there's this delusion and deception that's going on right now that what's real and what's what's not real is also converging. So now it's getting blurred, the blurred lines, and, and it's affecting, especially the younger generation. Because, like, you know, we grew up, you know, we were chiseling stuff in the rocks. And because, you know, we well, you didn't have TV. I did. <laughs> So, so now that conversion, and so this generation that has grown up with the internet and smartphones, you know, it's just been bombarded. So there's a, a deception that's going on. And I've heard this out of teenagers' mouths. Well, it's not real. Well, 
it is real, actually. Maybe that storyline is not real, but these things are going on. Satan is a liar. Satan is real. And Satan wants your soul, and he wants it to go to hell, not to heaven. And anything that can be blasphemy opposite of what is good, they will do it. And sometimes it appears to be good, and on the surface it is. The next thing you know, you're caught in the trap. What's great about it, if you're caught in a trap right now, God can save you. God can forgive you. God can. God has grace for you. All you have to do is recognize that and ask for that. And we'll talk about that in a minute. I know you got a message in Revelation and got to be quick. Yeah, we do. But, uh, and don't worry, this one will be quicker. Uh, this is kind of like an introduction to um, to the next church that the letter that John had written that Jesus asked him to write. Uh, and it's to the church of Laodicea. So this is in Revelation chapter three, verses 14 to 22. And we're only going to touch probably on just one of the verses in that in that passage today. But here's the, uh, let me just give you a little history of Laodicea. So Laodicea is one of those churches that I remember being uh, heard being taught and preached about back in the 70s and 80s. And they were talking about the church today is like the church of Laodicea. And then, and then, and then all of a sudden now the church has actually probably become like the church of Laodicea. Sure, sure. Let me, let's go Bible bashing, not Bible bashing, like bashing the Bible, but bashing people in the heads with their Bibles. Can you imagine getting hit by this sucker? <laughs> No, or the family Bible that's like five feet wide by 10 yeah. feet. <laughs> uh, Laodicea was the ancient capital of the province of Phrygia. It was part of a tri-city metropolitan area, which included the cities of Hierapolis and Colossae. Located in what's called the Lycus Valley on a major highway, the city was surrounded by mountains. It was a beautiful, if you can imagine a beautiful city lying in the, in the valley between mountains, and you, they probably had this amazing view. It was an excellent fortress to guard the main road in the greater metropolitan area. It was located about 40 miles southeast of Philadelphia, which we just started talking about last, uh, we talked about last couple of weeks. So in addition to being the judicial seat of the province, I just want to throw that in there because I'm in law school. It was the center for the banking industry and included a prosperous economy with manufacturing of cloth as one of its primary assets. They made beautiful garments. The carpets were designed from the wool of the black sheep of the region. The wool was known to be extremely soft in texture, glossy black in color, making it extremely, that's, that's white wool, extremely highly desirable around the empire. Polyester. <laughs> polyester. <laughs> the medical school in Laodicea was actually very, very famous, and its physicians claimed success in mixing medicines for certain diseases. So they were they were very advanced in medically during their time. They produced an ointment for the ears as well as powder for the eyes. So Aristotle actually referenced this and called it Phrygian powder, is what he called it. The physicians demonstrated, however, their allegiance to the serpent god Asclepios, which dominated the medical school of Pergamon. So a little bit more, there's one more, couple more things about Laodicea we have to understand. It was the center of emperor worship, as one might expect after seeing its very strategic location and its beautiful surroundings. Now, in AD 60, just in the first century, Laodicea was destroyed by an earthquake. And the city was then rebuilt without any financial help from Rome. It proudly refused imperial financial assistance and rebuilding. They were a people who liked to do things on their own. 
which can lead people into living in default mode. Okay, and this is where we're going with Laodicea. The church there had become complacent, trusting in the wealth and the riches of the area. They pretty much hit default mode. So when we hit a crisis, which were many of us were in the last couple of years, and even in no crisis, it's easy to live in the default mode. That's where you just go along day to day and do what we did last week, no real strict goals. And you're worried that we will end up like the church of neither hot nor cold, but essentially complacent. So what do, you, what do we get out in front of to become hot as Christians? Well, to, what, I, what we want to talk about with this is that very word complacency. Because this is a church that had lost its momentum and started to slip into complacency, which is what Jesus was talking about when he was referencing this church. You're neither hot nor cold. You're just lukewarm. You're just doing your normal thing, living your life. Nothing is really focused on the eternal things of God. And so that's where they were. So here's, here's what I'll say about complacency, and then I'll stop with you, Jay, and then you share a couple things and we'll pray. Complacency is one of the most dangerous places we can live. And I've been there, and it's not a great place, but when I get wakened up from it every time, I realize, wow, how did I let that happen? Complacency says, there is nothing I can do to change what's going on around me. Therefore, I will just continue to do what I have always done and not strive to make a difference. So we're going to dive more into Laodicea in the coming weeks. Um, but what we need is the fire of God's Spirit to ignite us or reignite in us a passion to live like Jesus lived to activate the supernatural through our obedience to Jesus and follow his example as he lived it out. So, GJ, share a couple of things, maybe Papa Reynolds, thanks to some prayer. I'm going to do both. So, I love the, so one, don't be complacent. So, that's part of the reason why we, we, we do the show is it, it helps us to not be complacent. You're talking about, you know, the church, of Laodicea, and, and Papa Reynolds, he wrote, he was knocking on the door of the church. So, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him, and I will sup with him, and he with me. So, that's uh, Revelation chapter 3, verse 20. And if you're at this point right now, God is knocking on your door. And maybe you say, hey, I've already given my life to Jesus. All right. Well, sometimes you got to recommit because of the complacency. What's your like? Is it complacent? Where can you elevate or strengthen your walk with him? So Dan will lead you in a prayer to do that. Again, no matter what you've done, where you're at, or where you're at in the world, God loves you. God cares about you. And all these crazy things that we talk about, and I mean, in some cases we're joking about, I mean, it's serious business. Eternity is serious business because it's forever. And you got two options. You can go over here and burn in hell, or you can go over here and live in heaven. And, you know, and, and in the Bible, it talks a lot about hell. And believe me, it's not a place you want to be. And um, so I choose to spend it, my life, the rest of my life, whatever that it looks like, in heaven with Dan. And anyone that, that has chosen to follow Jesus. And then the last thing I'll say is, is Jesus following you or are you following Jesus? There's a difference. 
you should be following Jesus because for a good part of my adult life, Jesus, I asked Jesus to follow me and he was there and he protected me sometimes that I like, oh my gosh, I'm looking back, but my life could have been so much better and so much different had I walked with Jesus because there's a level of confidence. There's a level of peace. I know some Christians tend to get, you know, arrogant, like, oh, I'm, I'm that and, and looking down on those that aren't, aren't unsaved. I have a heart now for the unsaved and those that are saved. I know they're going to make it into heaven. I'm like, okay, hopefully they can continue to move forward and not become complacent. And how can we have grace for the people that aren't, even if they're doing bad things? Because God forgives. And if God forgives, why can't we forgive? Amen. Well, if that's you today and you are in a place where you're like, man, I, I just feel like I need to get right with God. I, I need to, there's something there. There's something inside of me that all you got to do is, uh, acknowledge that Jesus is the son of God, that he came to take away the sin of the world. And that includes all of us. That's just not you. It's, it's all of us. We all need that. We all need that connection in a relationship with God. It's not about a religion. It's not about a particular church. It's about a relationship with your creator. Amen. It's about the one who validated you when you were, when you were, when you were created in your mother's womb, not only validated you, but saw you as value, valuable. And so you and I are all, all of us are all priceless in God's eyes. And that's where we have to start. And so when you do that, and then all you have to do is acknowledge that, that you need him. And then just follow me in this prayer. And then we'll close it out. Dear Jesus, we love you. We know that you have created us, that you have valued us above all your other creation. And not only valued us to that point, but then you valued us to the point of coming here, providing a way to have a relationship with God, our Father in heaven with you and um, dying on the cross, literally taking our place and saying, I want to experience what you experience and I'm going to die on this cross so that you could have a relationship with, with us or with me. And so Lord, I pray that you would help us, Lord, to grab a hold of that. Lord, we acknowledge that in our hearts. We believe in you. We ask you to come and live in our heart, live with us, teach us the right way and forgive us of all those things that we have done against you and teach us the right way to live. And Lord, may we look to your word, may we look to the scriptures to be able to help us to know how to move forward. Keep our eyes open to what could become a danger to us. Keep our eyes open, our hearts open to what you have to say to us and give us the strength to keep on living day to day until you return. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Hallelujah. Come on. Anyway, well, hey, we will see you next time. Hundred, the hundredth episode. We will Woo! see you with the hundredth episode. We're gonna do something different. I don't know what that is. We'll figure it out. One is we'll be together. Hey, we'll figure it out. Anyway, God bless you guys. We will see you next time. Thank you for tuning in to End Times Chat with GJ and Dan. If you decided to follow Christ, email us at endtimeschat at gmail.com. We would love to hear your story. Tune in next time for more, and don't forget to pray, prepare, protect, proclaim, pray again, persist, persevere, and pass it on. God bless. We'll see you next time.